This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good how morning, are you? Wally. How are you? I'm doing good. And uh, also joining us in studio this morning, former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch. How are you? Good morning. Guys, ready to go? Ready to go. <laughs> Anyways, just just on a, a side note, uh, if anybody hasn't watched the Avengers Endgame movie, three hours of nonstop action. Best 15 bucks I spent in a long time. Anyways, let's move on to more important topics. Uh, Butch, uh, we'll cut right to the chase. Um, Raptors have not looked good the last two games. What happened? Last Sunday, we sat. I sat in this chair, and probably, uh, uh, given given the pronouncements I made in last Sunday, displayed uh, perhaps, obviously, my uh, my lack of basketball knowledge to the same extent as yours, and said the Raptors had played uh, five of the had elevated their. I think the terminology I used after winning five in a row and blowing out the Sixers in game one, they had elevated their game to a level I had never seen a Raptors team play before. Uh, we were all excited. We all uh, were getting our uh, uh, our chairs ready on Bay Street for the parade. And wow, man, it, it, in one week, we've been, uh, we've been brought back to earth with a resounding thud. There's a lot to analyze here, Butch. Uh, what happened? Well, I mean, let's let's go. They finished the season the second best record in the East. That means they they've shown they have a strong ability, at least against the Western teams, to go and win road games. They are a very good team when they play well. Uh, do they have the ability to win one game? Absolutely. Um, the issue for them is you have three players that are having catastrophic failure in making shots. So Fred Van Fleet, Kyle Lowry, and Serge Ibaka. They are very poor. Serge shot 51% during the season. He is 6 for 20 and no rhythm. Uh, Worst in the man-to-man matchup, Embiid. When Serge finds himself on Embiid, uh, he's going for shot fakes. He shouldn't be going for shot fakes. And Embiid is, is imposing his will. And I think it's a personal game. You have uh, a unique thing in the NBA. You have three players on the floor that originated they're originated for life uh, in Africa, Ibaka. Um, and Serge is not playing to the standard in which I thought he should play at. Um, like I said, I did not like the trade for Serge's sake. Um, you know, I've been very critical of Serge and uh, uh, the, his issues around his temper uh, and the incidents he's been involved in, but he has shown that he can make the 15, 18-foot shot 
given the opportunity. Naz, um, I want to bring you in at this point. Um, Raptors go down. Uh, I mean, this this seems to be. A, you know, I'll, I'll turn it over to both of you guys, but Naz, chime in first. The Raptors. The game's at three thirty this afternoon. It's in Philadelphia. Uh, Raptors are down one. If the Raptors lose today, they're down three to one. Uh, what are the prospects of them coming back? Eleven team. Eleven teams. That's they've only. There's only been eleven teams that have gotten back from a three-one deficit in series in, in mean, NBA history. Yes. So you know the odds would get stacked against them, and yeah. and then they look undersized to me, Butch. What do you think? Well, but all they, of a sudden they look undersized. Yeah, but the issue is they should have built the flexibility in during the season. They never played uh, the two centers together, right? Because it's all about uh, you know you make your adjustments. And your counters. So, you know, I still say that this team um, is being more run by the president, Masai, than the coaching staff. You, he had a chance to hire Budhoser, and Budhoser goes to Milwaukee. Uh, he hires a coach that is, has the same management team. Um, the same management team that has Masai has uh, Nick Nurse. And... Nick suffers clearly when he is behind. There is nothing that's that's dynamic that comes out out of timeouts. Um, he has not made the personnel adjustments. This is the same thing we saw in Cleveland last year. And they said, well, we're going to get rid of DeRozan to help cure it. But um, these games that they're losing aren't close you know, to, to, you know, you go, you guys know historically, I've said win the first and third quarter. You go into Philly and they are bombing you and not using all of his timeouts because the, the analytics will show you during the course of the season across the league what teams can come back from. And you can look at the numbers for winning teams and they just have not been able to come back on Philly. Uh, Butch, let me ask you. We, you know, we, we have these discussions when we uh, when the Leafs play and they lose an important game, and you know, g- game two was the game I thought the Raptors should have won. It just it was a horrendous shooting performance, uh, uh, except for uh, obviously Kawhi. Um, do we get overexcited by the fact that they just got blown out in one game, and? Um, and that becomes, you know, you got blown out where uh, we can't turn this around. We find every weakness in the team. We microanalyze every weakness. Um, it, it could have been just a bad game. Are you seeing? Are you seeing something different here? Well, the issue at the end of the day, if it's if it's the Leafs or the Raptors, the bottom line is: are they tough enough? Are, are they? Are they? Because out, out outside of outside of, of two players. They have not shown to be smart. What does what does toughness mean in basketball? I mean, it, we, it, and we know what it means in football. We know what it means in hockey. Basketball, you don't really is. Are we talking about mental toughness? Are we talking about effort? Are we talking about intensity or just plain fact, big muscular toughness? No, no we're talking about mental quickness and 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 toughness on the defensive side. All right, they have allowed themselves to go into Philadelphia. All right. And it's a national theme on the Toronto Raptors. All right. Historically, Paul Pierce started it when he said Toronto just doesn't have the it. All right. 
And the it is, as I've told you guys, you can be the smartest coach in the world when it's time, when it's playoff time, championship time. Your team has to stand up in that locker room and want to beat that other team in a manner in which they will do anything to get them stopped. The Raptors have not never reached the the point where they will do anything to defensively get a team stopped in the playoffs. And it has shown over and over again over the last six years. They are not tough enough. Um, but, Butch, uh, and then, don't get me wrong, I don't disagree with you, uh, but this Raptors team's dramatically different than the one we had last year, except you know where I'm going to end up going with this mm-hmm. one. Yep. Okay. We supposedly were supposed to overcome these problems with some of the talent that came in. Kawhi, Danny Green, Gasol, uh, Siakam has become an emergent star. This team is fundamentally different um, than, than the team from the year before, except for one. Well. <laughs> okay. The $33 million man. And, and 31, not not, not 30, that 31.4 oh, Lewis County. Th- Lewis County, thanks. Is that uh, okay? Hold on, 31.4 US, right? Yes. Okay, so 34, so 33 million dollars. If I if I do the exchange, we're up into the mid 30s. Anyways, I don't know if that's the point or, but it, it to a certain extent, it it is the point. Um, you're making that kind of dough. There's certain expectations. Well, of course, I'm talking about Kyle Lowry. Um, he's been the subject this week. Um, certainly if you, if you, if you, if you follow Twitter and, and the, and what I call the Twitter mob, um, man, the vitriol against Kyle Lowry is beyond belief. Um, be quite frank. I think he, we can reasonably criticize him. There's no question. When when you're when you're making that kind of dough, and you know you are supposed to be the leader on the team, and you're supposed to be the go-to guy, and you're supposed to be the guy who takes his game to a different level in the playoffs. Uh, on that note, Butch, we're gonna go to break, and then oh, man. <laughs> he's just getting into it. On that note, we're gonna get go to break, so we can allow you an opportunity to collect your thoughts. And when we come back from the break, uh, Butch Carter is going to address the subject of Kyle Lowry. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we received this letter. My marriage is in a rut. Can you help us spice things up? Yes. Get the gourmet special. Two medium gourmet pizzas for just twenty four ninety nine. He loves Canadian bacon, so he'll order a deluxe. She can order the Italian, because she loves the hot Italian sausage. Everyone's happy. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. 
Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. If you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. Live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. In the house today, former Raptors coach Butch Carter. Later on in the hour, we'll be talking to Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer Carmen and Marcantonio, who's going to bring us up to date on all things soccer. Uh, just before I went, went to break, uh, uh, Butch, I, uh, I left you with something to contemplate, uh, which I'm sure you've, uh, you've given a lot of thought to. We chatted about it just before we went on air. Um, the singular Raptor that is coming under the most criticism, uh, for, uh, for what's happening in this series and, uh, uh, got severely criticized for what happened, I think, in game one against the Magic. I think, was that the game, Naz, where you didn't get any points at all? Zero. Zero. Cal Lowry, uh, uh, the other night, I think he only got seven points. Um, Butch. Um, tell us, tell us your analysis. Uh, this has been a consistent pattern. You have a five year all-star last five year. Kyle has been an all-star. He does a starter or as a reserve and he is in the lower 20% of players who have gone into the playoffs and their stats, uh, have reduced to a, a bucket margin of what they did during the regular season. So, uh, you have to question, you know. Tell us, you know what, Butch, the one thing, you know, I, I you know, obviously from uh, the one thing I, I highly respect about you is your is your grasp of uh, obviously the, the nuances of the game. And uh, but you are a big stats analytics guy and you've you've astounded me. Over the years, the times you've had us on the show, you, and one year you, you know, the Raptors were on top of the world in February and you were, you came in with a bunch of stats, defensive stats and said, guys, relax. This, this Raptors team's not as good as everybody thinks they are. And you pulled out a whole bunch of defensive stats. And as we went, I think it was two years ago, and as we got closer to the playoffs, everything you said on the air, came true statistics wise um you're talking about stats you've got some you know some charts in front of you as i'm uh looking at you in studio now uh 
tell us what you find in the analytics, in the stats that you find concerning about Lowry, specific ones. Two for 14 from the three-point line. All right. If you take that with... Uh, is this a playoff stat? This is a playoff stat. In, this, in the Philadelphia series? This or? is the playoff stat. Lowry's two for 13? Yeah, he's... he's in the three-throw line or three-point? Three-point line. He's three two for 14. And Fred Van Fleet is 0 for 7. All right. That guy's throwing bricks, man. So, so <laughs> right now. So it's it's really scary when, if you say analytically, we need to we need to take threes and make them, and that would open up everything else because this is what happens: a good player, all star player, starts making shots, then all of a sudden, the officials will give him a call or two. The officials know that Kyle Lowry. They're getting they're getting the post game notes. They're getting their their pre game notes. They know that he is struggling, and they're not going to bail him out. You know, we've watched games. They don't bail out James Harden. Why would you bail out Kyle Lowry? He's in Philadelphia. Historically, he's played well when he's gone home. Right now, he is stinking it up, and it is alarming that Kyle Lowry has been kept here. They said the problem was DeRozan. The problem has been a combination of both of them in the playoffs. They are not superior defensively, and Kyle gets a lot of charges, which I give him credit for during the season and sacrificing his body. But during the playoffs, different kind of animal coming at you. Um, he is less effective. And it, it, are they are they able to win a game? Yes, they are able to win one game. But I see it being very hard if Kyle Lowry doesn't play better. You know what's disturbing is that Kawhi Leonard has played great, and they're not good enough. Correct. Somebody had told me going into the series that Kawhi would be playing like that. I'd say we would win five games. Yeah, but the problem you have is Embiid has dominated the five position, right? Almost as if they're scared of him. Embiid is able to stay at his own pace. The Raptors dominated Philly in the regular season because Valashunas bullied Embiid, and Embiid got no calls. Now you move Valashunas, and Embiid is going to the basket like he's Michael Jordan, and he's not. But he's being allowed to because when you put a body on him the way Valashunas did, it impeded him from running around uh, acting like he's an airplane. That's his after dunk. But what, isn't this just a Game 3 phenomenon? Didn't Gasol handle them significantly better in Game 1 and Game 2? And it's just like, once again, going back to the same point, are we overreacting to what happened in that just in Game 3? Well, you may be overreacting, but I'm saying that Lowry's been inconsistent going into No, I'm the, talking about Gasol now. All right. Lowry's, Lowry's endured this criticize, criticism during his entire career in yeah. Toronto. You know what's disturbing about Lowry? They're down seven points or six points, and the next shot, get him closer, he never makes it. Yeah, Takes yeah. a three-point shot, never makes it. Well, I mean... Look. The, the Gasol-Embiid... Uh, I want... I, I, we'll go back. I, I, I want your, your perception of that. Um, Embiid got the better of him, quite frankly, significantly in, in Game 3. Uh, I thought Gasol got the better of Embiid in Game One and Two. Um, so, is is did you see something in Game Three in that matchup that you know Gasol's days of controlling Embiid are now finished? Well, the reality is that Gasol has ended up getting a lot of tic tac fouls instead of hard fouls. Right? Um, I told you when they when they made the trade, they made, took a tremendous risk 
in trading Valachunas for Gasol from the standpoint, older player. Look, it's ISO for Kawhi. So why do you have to have a five that's supposed to be this great passer? Gasol's value is that he has to make shots. And if, he's not doing that. If he makes shots, now Kawhi um, can run underneath, all right? And that has not happened. And I said this from the start. His only value is guys make – he has to make – you have to make shots and guard your guy. And, yes, he's a great help side guy. But the problem you have with the team – is because both media companies own the teams. They can put, they keep putting out a softer perception of what's going on. And they've done that because that helps them sell tickets, that helps them sell advertisers, but at the at the end of the day, there's a certain toughness that is lacking and that purity of toughness shows in their skill set. And when you have guys going from shooting 50% to 20%, 25% in the playoffs, something is brutally wrong. I was at I was I was at Game Two. Um, I think it was Monday night uh, down at the uh, Scotiabank Arena, and what I found um, I don't know if disturbing or maybe just an observation, Butch, and you you tell me uh, your perception as, and you tell me yours. Um, it was it, you know I I just found that there was nobody on that Raptor team that particular night that um, was showing any emotion, uh, any significant intensity. I, I won't go to lack of effort. I don't think it was a lack of effort. It was just like, you know, my, my, my NBA mind always takes me back um, to, the, to the great, great games in the 70s and the 80s and the Lakers and Celtics wars. And the Knicks and the Lakers in the early 70s and Wilt, uh, Willis Reed coming out on one leg and Madison Square Garden going nuts and, and, and guys just picking it up and just, you know, diving after loose balls. Um, it just looked like the, it just looked like the Raptors were just, okay, we got the ball. Okay. What's the play? And you, you just, you're just, you, you, they, they look like a team of, at certain times in the game, like robots, they're just okay. Here's the play. Let's execute it. The ball goes here. The ball goes there, and it's just like Philadelphia knew what was going to happen. Ness, well, it's it's really disturbing me because uh, that wasn't the case during the season. They didn't play like that. They dominated Philly, and all of a sudden, Philly's dominating them defensively, right? And it shouldn't be that way. The Raptors should be better defensively. Do they play the game with enough emotion, Butch? They play the game with enough emotion. They don't play the game with enough structure. All right? So when things are going bad, a coach needs to add more structure because you have to give them confidence that you can get them an open shot. They are not – they don't know where their shots are coming from. The Raptors' offense, when when going bad, all right, is no more than what you would find on any playground. All right? The ball's going left, the ball's going right, and then someone's taken off to make a play. All right. The reality they seem is it's predictable. It, it's 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 very predictable because it's basically ISO Joe. It's ISO Joe left, ISO Joe right. There is no uh structure of double screen split. We we need to get Serge Ibaka that fifteen foot shot. Because if they were doing that 
and you told me that Serge Ibaka was was make shooting twenty percent on that fifteen foot shot, then I would say it's in Serge's head. But Serge doesn't know where his shots are coming from. All right, what they are doing uh, is basically been the downfall for the last three years in the playoffs. They they hit it. They hit a place where they struggle a little bit. They are they are very poor in using timeouts. They they don't call their timeouts at the top of the key, which analytically would tell them you could you could bring the ball in on the, on the strongest side for your team. They don't use consecutive timeouts. The only time I've seen Nick use consecutive timeouts was a game in Miami. Strategically, he did it. They came back and won a game in which they had started out very poorly. But they are not a team of structure when things are going bad. And that part of that is this was this was the issue you took when you took a first year head coach. First year head coaches are going to bump their head. I don't care how good they are, because the other guys are older, they're better, their depth of knowledge of what they need to do is there for them. Nick has no depth of knowledge. But you search Ibaka better off starting and then coming off the bench because he had more if, success coming as a starter. Than yeah, he if he's if he's going to perform like this, then I think uh, you know I would start him. I would definitely would have been playing him and Gasol together, and then you could put him in a, in what we call a stack, a random stack with Lowry coming off, one rolling and and one popping. Like I said, there's at the end of the day, you should know how to get ahead in a game and keep piling it on, and that's consecutive runs. And you must know as a good coach how to stop another team's consecutive runs by your counters, right? And so, you know, you talk in hockey, your counterattack, right? And But no, Nick has not been able to show that he understands how to consistently counter when things are going bad. Uh, we've got Butch Carter in studio this morning. Butch, uh, um the Raptors' bench is getting killed. Out there, isn't, there. there isn't a bench left. They're all hurt. <laughs> but the, the, let's okay. Let's put it a different way. The non-starters are getting killed, and 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 it's it's all the Raptors starters are actually winning the series, and the Raptors bench is costing them the series. Right. Uh, your observations about that, and what can you? Do to change that again. This this all goes back to the guys who cover the game are all paid by the owners of the of the team, and so they give you this false sense all year. You know, the Raptors in the last two years have had the best bench in the whole league. What right? happened? The, the reality is what happens. Siakam is not on the bench anymore. He beca- right. he becomes a starter. Van Fleet has been injured or ineffective. Right. Even though McCall has has tremendous speed, right? They don't go to a change of pace. They need a change of pace with the second unit, so that guys can get some easier baskets, right? You don't you don't run a second unit and then say you know you got to we're going to walk the ball up. You're in the second unit because you're not the best players, so you need some easy baskets. You need to have reliable plays and reliable shooters. But again, they're going out and they're playing this sandlot basketball, and guys don't know where they're going to get their shots from. Let me ask. Uh, let me ask this, um, both from your days as a coach and from your observations of this particular uh, Raptors outfit. Um, Kawhi Leonard's been on load management the entire year. That normally means 
he takes days off, and then, of course, that's not going to happen anymore from here on in. Uh, but his time is still being managed during the game. There was a critical part of Game 3. Uh, I think it was right at the end of the third quarter or the first two and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. The Raptors had made a little bit of a run to get within stri- what we call striking distance. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Kawhi Leonard is watching from the bench, spent two and a half minutes there. By the time those two and a half minutes were gone, the game was over. They were done 19. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, listening to some, uh, some observers this week, if I'm a coach and if I'm a coach and I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose with my stars. I'm not going to lose with my bench. Um, at what point in time, and probably today, uh, is Kawhi even capable of playing 42 minutes a game? And how much do you pin your bench to the bench on a go-forward basis? He was pretty close to that in game two, though, Wally. Yes, he was. he was. Yeah. But, there, but here's can where. We, can we move him to 45 minutes a game? You cannot when you've got, if he's playing a second game in three days, in my opinion, clearly. Yeah. I thought it's shown in the end of the first quarter where Kawhi is guarding. Um, so what did you think of the move, pinning him to the bench right at the beginning, as they were getting it, back in the game? But, Nurse had no choice? The choices are use your timeouts. Okay. Yeah, he that, doesn't use right? timeouts. Like the, the issue is, you know, that's how you max you max it out. You, you use your timeouts. I mean, that's that's what you have to do, and you don't you don't save them. The issue at the end of the day is guys who are saying they're saving their timeouts mean they have no real good end the game strategy, <laughs> right? But they want to win the you know well he called timeout, right? But the reality is that if you save them during the game with timeouts. They're normally got enough juice to win the game, all right, because they know they weren't supposed to, you know, have a chance to win the game. But, uh, you know, my brother, who has a show in the U.S., we won't mention, but you know, I get (laughs) the I get the text (laughs) I get the text at four o'clock in the morning. You know what's going on? I said the issue on load management with Kawhi is here's the first time we're going to see him twice play twice in three days, and he's going to have to play. 38, 40 minutes. And clearly in the first quarter, Kawhi can go to the offensive end at a pretty good pace, but he cannot sprint back on defense at the pace. And and I told Chris, the benchmark for me is San Antonio versus Houston. Kawhi Leonard dominates James Harden on both ends, runs him down, block shot. He is not that kind of athlete. He is a, Kawhi is a top, six or seven player, but because he cannot dominate on the defensive end in the playoffs on games that are close, I I really question, you know, but I told you it's miraculous what he's doing. Whatever's wrong with him, it is absolutely miraculous that he's played this well. What's really disturbing is that Greg Monroe looks like an all-star against <laughs> the Raptors right now, and he, and he didn't play a whit with, uh, in the regular season. Well, I told you guys. Me crazy. I told you yeah. guys. 
Greg Monroe can't play. Jody Meeks can't play. You're saying that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know what? I was, I, I was looking at the guy. You know, oh, my God. I, you know, we're talking about guys who play in Toronto. Just to digress just a second. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the Toronto Sun this morning, and what, what do I see here? Roman Polak playing 19 minutes a game is for the, the Dallas Tyler, Stars. But the, he's not good enough to play for the Toronto the Leafs. Is Tyler Bozak? No, no, it's not Tyler Bozak. <laughs> St. Louis? Uh, but, you know, these guys are not good enough to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, we got about three or four minutes before. Before we go to break, uh, um, <laughs> before we go to break, uh, Butch, um, let's, you know, we, we obviously, you know, we're trying to be constructive in our criticism and we're not trying to jump all over the Raptors. And I think, Butch, you've made some tremendously good technical points uh, and you've been fair in your criticism of, of what you've seen. Um, what do the Raptors have to do to win today and turn the series around? Because I'm almost seeing this as perhaps... And I don't, I don't want to get too, uh, too extensive in my hyperbola. This may be the most important game in Toronto Raptors history. Yeah, it is from the standpoint of this five or five or six year run, right? You know, because but, look, look, you know, if we don't have a breakthrough this year, Kawhi ain't going to be here next year. Right? Uh, there may be some other guys who aren't going to be here next year. Uh, so we may, we may be starting, we may be, depending on who they sign the free agent pool. But getting back, I see this as the most important game in Toronto Raptors history, other than that game seven. Yeah. Uh, Let's bring some lovely to it, okay? Yeah. So, you know, we hosted two games. We were not very good in the second game. Yes. Let's hope that Philly is not very good in, in their game. second game. They're overconfident. A little human nature comes in, and Jimmy Butler doesn't save them. Because he is the one that's mean enough to try to save him, right? So let's let's hope that the the issue we have is Toronto is 0, and, 0 for ten or 0 for eleven in early afternoon games, right? So uh, that's for, not a good stat. That's it's not it's not a good stat. But Why? Tell you. I mean, you you've 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 got you found that stat. So let's make some sense out of it. The NBA, Why? the NBA always plays an early afternoon game to get their games in on Sunday. They would normally like, like yeah. to see three games, right? So when we came here to Toronto, we put in a one o'clock game on Sunday and it was to condition our guys to, and, and we were able to do it because we wanted to win that one o'clock game if we were home hosting the game. Um, they moved it. This regime moved it to a six o'clock game, which I believe is a huge mistake because you're actually going against what you're going to see later on. And champions are best prepared mentally. It's not the physical, it's the mental part of what has to, has to go on. So, uh, but, but that, that being said, Philly could human nature wise, uh, come in overconfident. And let's just say both teams shoot the ball poorly. All right. Um, we just need to find a way to manage Kawhi and get man- Danny Green to make some shots because I think there are really two guys that the team feeds off of outside of Kawhi. If Danny Green and Serge Ibaka are making shots, this team seems to be okay. And Danny hasn't made shots, hasn't had consistent shots, and Serge definitely hasn't. It's tough to win if you don't make shots because it just it elevates everybody's emotion. It elevates their attitude. It just you know you gets it gives you a buzz if you're making shots. Gives you that hear Mark Casale's uh, rebound numbers so low, well, especially when he's so big because Embiid is so far from the bucket. Right, it's not like he's mo- moving from eight feet to go rebound. He Embiid could be at twenty one feet. 
and someone else has has to rebound the basketball because Embiid is either there shooting or he's there as a spacer because we know he can make shots. So Gasol's number, whoever's guarding Embiid, their numbers are going to be lower. Anyways, uh, we've had a thorough, we've analyzed the Raptors from every different perspective. Uh, all I can say is, uh, obviously, we're Raptors fans. We want to see them be successful. And uh, hopefully when we come in next Sunday morning, this will have just been a blip on the radar screen on the way to the NBA Finals. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. We certainly hope they can turn it around. We've got to go to break, and uh, we'll be right back after the break. We're going to talk some soccer with Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer Carmen Marcantonio. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I realised that, unlike pizza, you can enjoy Pizzaville's authentic panzerotti with just one hand. Pizzaville and its entities, owned in whole or in part, have no interest in knowing what you do with your other hand while you're consuming one of our panzerotti. Seriously. Get two authentic Italian panzerotti with cheese and sauce for just ten forty nine. One for each hand. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. Welcoming back to our show this morning. We're going to talk a little bit soccer, as he likes to call it, football. Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer, Carmen and Marcantonio. Good morning, Carmen, and how are you this morning? To you and Naz, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. We haven't chatted soccer for a while on the show, Carmen, so we want you to bring us a little bit up to date. The Toronto TFC uh, victory last night in Orlando, 2 to nothing victory. Uh, they've got this great new exciting player that's uh, quite frankly uh, made me forget about Jovenko pretty quickly. Uh, Pazuelo is, uh, has certainly had an impressive debut with TFC. 
some world class uh, world class goals. Uh, seems to run all over the field. He's got tremendous vision and deft touch. Carmine, uh, your impressions of uh, Mr. Pozzuolo? Oh, definitely, Walter. You hit it right on the nail. He's uh, definitely a good accusation. Um, to well, not so much to replace Jovinko because they're two different type of players. He's more like a a number 10, more of a playmaker. Jovinko is more of a forward. Obviously, it's very difficult to replace Jovinko in his goals, but uh, with Pozuelo, they have uh, uh, compliments to TFC, to, to the, its president, uh, Bill Manning, to have, uh, and his staff to have acquired this player because it uh, definitely makes the team a lot better in, in the construction of play. And uh, he's shown it, especially the first few games. Uh, he's been ordinary. Yesterday I saw the game. Uh, yesterday's win, I, I think it should be attributed more to the two Canadian players that uh, are doing really, really well. Uh, Osorio scored an amazing goal. And uh, Osorio is one of the top players. Uh, and we should be proud because he's Canadian. And also, Jay Chapman came in, uh, number 14, and uh, also scored. And uh, so yesterday's win, really, it was a, a team win uh, because I thought the team played really well. Uh, but uh, attributable to two good young Canadians are doing really well. The Canadian players have done uh, very, very well in the MLS. It's, it's, it's an important uh, building block for them. Canada's team has improved quite a bit, Carmen. Yeah, Naz, uh, good morning to you Good also. morning, yes. Uh, yes, uh, we're coming a long way because uh, what's happening with the TFC and the, uh, and Vancouver and Montreal, with their academies, now all of a sudden we're seeing these players coming through the academy and, and Chapman, uh, Osorio, uh, and there's a few, uh, Akinova, Hamilton, these are all players now that are playing in the first team, and Osorio has become a star of, of, of TFC. Uh, he signed a new contract, I think, for like four years, making half a million dollar plus. For Canadian, that's great. That's amazing. And over 10 years of academy and development, all of a sudden, the fruits are coming out, and you see more and more Canadians making it uh, and playing regularly with the first team. And yesterday, as I said, I, w- I was very impressed with both of those two players. Uh, Ak- Akinola came in as a centre-forward, another young man that can play centre-forward because, as, as we know, Alcador has is, is been injured, and he's also done uh, very well. Not so much Hamilton, who started the game as a centre-forward. Uh, I think Hamilton still needs to work on his game. Uh, he's still not quite ready to, to be a starter. But overall, I think uh, we, the Canadian teams, are doing very well developing Canadian players, and uh, that bodes well for the national team in the coming for, for the World Cup uh, qualifying. We're talking to Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer Carmen and Marc Antonio. Carmen, talking about development. There is a brand new professional league in Canada that uh, has debuted, uh, Canadian Premier League. Uh, there's a local team in the uh, greater Toronto area called the York Nine. Uh, I believe they play out of the Pan Am Stadium at uh, York University. Correct me if I'm wrong. Tell us about the new league and how that fits into the soccer landscape. Yeah, Walter, that's correct. We have a local team, uh, York Nine, that will be playing uh, 
out of uh, York University in the new brand new stadium. I think it's going under some some restructuring, the, the uh, widening the the playing pitch. As as you know, it, it was quite small, making it a regular playing pitch for football. And uh, so we were excited because uh, you know this new league again because of the World Cup coming to Canada, the U.S. and Mexico. 2026, I believe. That's correct. And uh, so FIFA mandated Canada to, to have a, a domestic league. And this is supposed to be the domestic league that will grow and will develop Canadian players. Uh, hopefully, uh, when, by 2026, we're going to be competitive. And I think we're on the right track. I was at the inaugural game in Hamilton, uh, against York 9, and it was a good brand of uh, football. Uh, young Canadian players, uh, as I said, a lot of them university and uh, college uh, students uh, playing, you know, a lot of talent, uh, and it's only going to get better. I think they, this uh, place will develop, and it's going to help the Canadian team to achieve uh, what we hope to be, you know, qualifying for uh, the next World Cup, which is in um, Qatar, I think Qatar. I always Qatar. In the, uh, <laughs> haven't seen. I, I always get mixed up. Somewhere in the Middle East, yeah. uh, Qatar, I think. I, I, I believe uh, you're correct because they're, yeah. they're and, it's, uh, and then in 2026, hopefully, we're going to be ready to compete on, on the top stage because that's uh, uh, the mandate of this new league. It's, it's basically to get our, our kids, our national team, ready. To, to be on the top uh, top level, top top of their game by that time. Carmen, I was flipping back from uh, Liverpool and the FC yesterday, and uh, I wanted to ask you a question because you played the game at a high level. How much time does it take to recover after a game? Because it seems to me like they play a lot of soccer in a week, and mm -hmm. soccer players run the most out of any sport. They, they endure a lot. What does it take to recover? Yeah, and that, uh, normally you need at least those two, three days. And uh, that's why a lot of the rosters in, in Europe now and even in the MLS are 24, 25 players and all at the top level, all top players. Because uh, when you play twice in a week, and sometimes uh, very rare, but there could be also three games in a week, you're going to want to rotate the, the starting eleven. And uh, and that's why you need a large uh, roster. But I think at that uh, level, you know, players are so fit that um, that they easily able to to handle two games in a week. And uh, you're right, Liverpool after the game they played against Barcelona, and you know, nonstop for <laughs> for 90 minutes. I mean, that was the beautiful game played at the at the highest of levels. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, saw yeah. that uh, Champions League game uh, in absolutely. Barcelona. But uh, I, I thought, really, the difference was messy. Was messy, <laughs> you know, with with, uh, with an amazing <laughs> free kick, and, and it was like a slang, uh, slick, what do you call it, slingshot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the ball just took off off his foot and at the top, the top corner. Only Messi could do that. He's from another planet, as far as <laughs> I'm concerned. He's uh, one of the greatest with Pele, Maradona. 
is going to go in history as one of the greatest players in in the, in the game, uh, history of the game, for sure. We're, ta- we're talking to Carmen Marcantonio. Carmen, we're, uh, uh, as usual at this time of the show, running a little bit uh, tight on time. And uh, before we let you go, uh, I got to ask you this question, because uh, you know that we have the same passion, which is uh, our beloved Azzurri, the Italian national soccer team. Uh, uh, I'm still uh, I'm still in therapy over uh, Italy not making the World Cup. So uh, tell me, give me some bright news on what's happening on the on the Italian national team front. Uh we yeah, get- well, uh, both well with the new manager Mancini. Uh, I think uh, he's going with a lot of uh, young talent. Uh, one of them is uh, Kane uh, from uh, Juventus, the uh, center forward uh, that has done really well, and uh, he's al- already scored uh, a couple of goals for the national team. And uh, uh, you know, Bernardeschi, another Juventus player that is also showing well as a number ten. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, new talent, and uh, I feel very confident that uh, the Azzurri will be on top of their game again come uh, the European uh, European qualifying, and then eventually for the World Cup. Uh, you know, for, for that for that time, I hope uh, the team will gel because that's what Mancini is hoping for to work around about 30 players, uh, uh, nucleus of uh, the young talent that's coming up in Serie A. And blend them together because to become a team, Walter, I don't have to tell you, you need a good manager to make them play as a team. And, and it's very difficult to be honest with you with the national team because managers have these players only for a few sessions, uh, you know, during the year. And uh, to blend them and, and play as, as a unit, it, it takes time. So I think the more games they play together, the better they're going to be and the more competitive they're going to be. So hopefully we're going to see another, uh, hopefully, World Cup winners, uh, you know, in, in the next one uh, in, in Qatar. We could be maybe going hopefully. down to St. Clair or maybe <laughs> up in Woodland. I'd love to do that. Change venue, change venue this time. Yeah. Oh, we'll figure it out. I did I did St. Clair in 82. I did Woodbridge in, in 06. So 2000 and, yeah, uh, be ready for 2022, we'll, ready, uh, ready we'll do both. Next. Anyways, what I'd really love to see in 2026 is, is Italy playing Canada in a game. Uh, that would be incredible. Incredible! I'm gonna. I'll bring my Italian flag and I'll bring my Canadian flag as well, and I, I'll have a difficult time figuring out who I would cheer for in that game. But it would. Well, be, it would be. That would be. That would be amazing. That would be absolutely amazing for Canadians. Yeah. Carmen, on that note, you know, uh, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, thanks so much. Let's stay in touch, and uh, hopefully, TFC keeps uh, keeps this drive going because they've gotten off to a good start. Have a fantastic week, Carmen. <laughs> Naz and Walter, anytime. Take care. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Carmen. Carmen and Antonio. Uh Gentlemen, we've got Butch Carter, Naz. Uh, we've got Butch in the studio this morning. I know there's a topic dear to both of your hearts that we haven't had a chance to really talk about too much. So we got five minutes. Uh, let's uh, let's go. Let's go, Jays. Uh, Naz, you're wearing your Jays cap this morning. Uh, of course, the story the entire spring has been the arrival of the Messiah. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, the most heralded uh, 
rookie ever, ever to uh, to don a Blue Jays uniform. Uh, to be quite frank, and I'm not going to get excited here. It's only been a week and a bit. Uh, but uh, Vladdy Jr., I guess, uh, you know, he hasn't been belting the ball out of the park in the first week. But uh, I'm not going to be critical of him at this stage. But uh, your observations, Ness. Well, he started, he's starting off slow, but, you know, Mike Trout started off slow, too, and so did Bregman from uh, Houston, so it's, it's, it happens, and uh, he'll be fine. Butch, he's, you're, you're uh, you know, we always get an opportunity to, to uh, look at these perspectives from the, pro- from the perspective of a professional coach, uh, and you've gone through, uh, you know, baseball's a different sport, but sports are sports, and young men are young men. And talents are talents. Doesn't matter what sport you play. And when you've got this generational talent uh, that comes into your fold, and he's twenty years old, uh, as a coach, uh, what do you think about physically? It? Physically, they've made a mistake. Okay. I would have left him in the minors until he showed that he was willing to lose the weight. They are making. They are. They are confirming that he can stay. Do you think he's overweight, or that's just he's just another Cecil Fielder? That's just his body type, or, or okay, okay, that's, that's I don't know. You tell me. My th- my thought process, and okay, then how old is he? 19, 20s, 20, twenty years 20s, old. Is he twenty, 20 years just old? turned twenty. I believe so twenty years old, and he can't drop thirty pounds. Right. The the, the reality is, you, I don't disagree with you. How are you going to play one hundred and sixty two games carrying that weight and not have knee problems? He's going to torque something. I mean, the, the biggest problem with baseball. Well, then, then I'll ask this question, Naz. Uh, you may know better than, than I. The Vladdy Jr. that we see here today, uh, I don't know what he weighs, 240, 250, they 260. He weighs 250. What was he at six, 15 or 16? What was he at 15 or 16? Well, he's probably 190, 195. You see him dropping 30 pounds. So the, I, I'm sure they. The, the, issue, the issue is you put a structure in place so that he can. All right. The reality is baseball's problems for athletes is it's such a stop and start sport, right? You never know when you're going to have to sprint, right? You know, if it's a single, double, or triple, right? You never. What's he like running down uh, bunts? He's Many, okay. many, you know, he's got to head he down did, that yeah. third baseline. He moves pretty good for a big guy. Is he okay? No, yeah. his, his baseball IQ is off the chart, yeah. right? But Ken Griffey was a gazelle. Well, that's different. Right? Yeah. He wasn't a hippo. <laughs> all right. Okay. I mean, I mean, when you when you when you look at him anatomically, all right. So you can't. He definitely can't put on twenty more pounds. Right. That would be going in the that, wrong direction. That would be going in the wrong. Direction. Why would he have his grandma cook for him? <laughs> Why? But but but, but that's because the food's probably but, good, but, Ness. But, but, Okay. But that's what I'm saying. I'm but, wouldn't you want your grandma to cook that's, for you? That's exactly. what I'm saying. Yeah. If, if they brought, if they bought him here and said, "Hey, we, <laughs> you you cannot let them stay in the same mental state that they were in, because the game and the professionalism requires them to reach a higher state." Okay, his baseball's IQ is off the charts. Yeah, his mind is going to say, "Yo, I got that, I got that," and his body's eventually going to say, "It's not." But it's not his. It's not his body type uh, that only got him one RBI the first week of the season. It's not. It's not his bat uh, yet. Uh, he's just off to a slow start. Okay, Would, but I don't. You, I don't you, you're, so you're suggesting leave him down in AAA until he loses thirty pounds? Is yeah, that? I don't. I don't care about his bat. Okay, 
Because if he's a ten year, if he's a ten or fifteen year guy for for your franchise, the most important thing is his availability. All right, and the better conditioning he gets in, the more available he will be. All right, you're talking. I would. Pay, I, I, I got to be honest. With you, I hate to say this, but I agree with you 100. percent I would pay money to see Mike Trout play anywhere. Yeah. He is a monster, right? Yeah. But he looks like like when Mike Trout would take his shirt <laughs> off, right? <laughs> That's not Vladdy. But I, you know what? I, I the first time I saw Vladdy Junior, I said, you know what? I, I don't get it. He's he's a teenager and he appears to be overweight. He appears to be, uh, you know. But Naz, last word. We've got to we've got to go. Well, hopefully we we're talking about uh, a game seven win for the Raptors, but I'm not so sure. Can can we still win it in six? We can. Okay, yeah. so hopefully a game six win. <laughs> Butch, I give just, us your call. Give us your call real quick. The Raptors need to win. They need to win today. That's, okay. that's the most important thing, and then I'll, I'll take whatever comes after that. Butch, thanks for joining us. Yep. Uh, it's been another great week on the Nazi Wally Sports Hour. To everyone, have a great and healthy week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.